This podcast may contain strong language. Celebrity Phone Box with James Phelan. Morning, everyone. How are we? Welcome back to Celebrity Phone Box podcast. My name is James Phelan. I'm really, really excited to bring this to you, this one, actually. And the first thing I have to say is apologies for keeping going on about this because I know I've mentioned it in my last few podcasts. And there's probably going to be a couple more, but this is recorded live on my New Year's Eve show. Um, If you're feeling a sheer sense of FOMO, fear of missing out, and you wanted to be involved and you feel like you missed out, don't worry because there's more shows coming. And if you're on my mailing list, which I'm sure you are if you've uh, gone to phoneboxpod.com to listen to this, or if not, uh, go to phoneboxpod.com now. You'll get an invite to the next show. So that's fine. But this was recorded live um, on New Year's Eve with 80s pop star and heartthrob, former and present, Chesney Hawks, one of the nicest people in the world. Um, The the one thing I will say about this is he's recording this, he's broadcasting it, this is over Zoom, right? He's broadcasting it from his, his own sound recording studio for his music. I'm a bit of a stickler for a microphone, as anyone who has seen mine and Jamie Lang's spat recently, it's not really a spat, it's just me moaning, but mine and Jamie Lang's spat recently about his microphone usage and how he's doing it wrong. I have never done an interview where I sound worse, because his setup is so on point, it's just, it's just like chalk and cheese, chalk and cheese. You'll notice it though, his sound quality is top notch. Um, how did I meet Chesney? How did this come about? So. In 2018, um, I did a TV thing, um, which I know I talk about in my show and a couple other things. It was called Celebrity Troublemaking, and it was me uh, basically using magic to pick the minds of celebrities. And it was Joe McFadden just after he'd won Strictly and Christopher Biggins, just lovely sort of group of people. Channel 5 wanted it and London Life had it and they end up fighting over it and that's why you've probably not seen it before. They, it was just sort of like an internal thing um, about that as I was having meetings with Channel 5, meetings with London, London Live, all just went a bit haywire. But as part of that we recorded five programmes and when I was first starting to sort of piece together who I wanted, I reached out to Chesney Hawks. Most people when you email them are very... Um, uh, how do I... What are they like? Some people just don't reply, obviously. And some people are very business-minded. Some people are very sharp. Chesney was none of those things. Chesney was warm and welcoming and interested. Really, really interested and lovely. And it was just, it was a real pleasure to talk to him, even though I was trying to, you know, get him to come on my on my little show. Um, it didn't happen in the end. Uh, you know, we didn't, we couldn't get dates work. And he's based in LA most of the time and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It didn't work. But when it came to New Year's Eve, and I know I said this last time, but when I came to New Year's Eve, I wanted it to be a really warm show, like a really uplifting show with no real sort of depth, you know, and when I say depth, I mean the sort of um, the sort of probing questions about the intricacies and the sadness in people's lives. I wanted it to be a real uplifting show, a real escapism, you know, a real sort of breath of fresh air, I guess, um, at the end of last year. And so I wrote a list of people I wanted on. And Chesney was fairly high up the list. And it, it doesn't disappoint at all, actually. It really, really doesn't disappoint because he is he is still, as remembered, so warm and gentle and and uh, good-hearted, kind-hearted. And we talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, the interview's fascinating. Um, it's us basically just talking over Zoom. 
and we talk about lots of different stuff. We talk about him uh, getting into music and the power of music. But then also, him and I have very similar outlooks on stuff. And I'll talk more about this afterwards, after you've listened to it. But he talks about his journey from being really young to doing music and how he became successful at it and how it happened for him. And what his aspirations were, what his motivations were and how he knew sort of internally, inherently, that it was going to happen for him. Um, so that's coming, that's coming. Oh, the one thing I will also say before I forget is if you're enjoying these podcasts, give me a five-star review on it because it really, really helps. And if you're if you're not enjoying it, give me a five-star review anyway because why not, right? Press the subscribe button. This isn't for you. This is entirely for me. But please do that because that would be wonderful. Um, anyway, I'm going to jump over to this interview now and I'll chat to you afterwards. I, I'm sure you'll, you'll enjoy it. I had a great time recording it. This on Celebrity Phone Box is Chesney Hawks. Celebrity Phone Box Podcast with James Phelan. A little bit weird. This year's been odd, of course, but but um, I'm actually doing okay. I'm spending time with family and, you know, Christmas was, was a quiet affair, but really yeah. nice. Um, I suppose because normally yeah. you're you're back and forth a lot. You're, yeah, you know. I had a whole year's worth of gigs uh, planned and, and ready to go, uh, which obviously didn't happen at all. I haven't been on a stage since March. Um, and even through Christmas, like through December, I had a bunch of. I was doing some um, uh, cruises through <laughs> through the yeah. through the Christmas period. Uh, so obviously, all that got cancelled. They will just well, go so. straight in the bin. So, yeah. Do you reckon they'll come back, or is it which one of those things that you kind of just have to write it off to twenty twenty and you know never think of it again? I mean, it's uh, your twenty twenty is a total write off, and I think that yeah. probably half of twenty one will be a write off as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, eventually it will come. It will come back, won't it? But um, at yeah. least I, this is going to take a long time. I mean, this is kind of, I hate that word, unprecedented. But I mean, it is, isn't it? Especially for this business, you know, everything's completely yeah. up in the air. No one knows what's going to happen. It's really. weird, isn't it? And also, I think you're right. You know, particularly with cruises, because I had a, I had a few, um, which well, I was doing like a, a strictly cruise, which was going to be really fun because it's, you know, you know what it's oh, yeah. like doing this job. A lot know. of it, you're traveling on your own. I was like, oh, I'm going to have friends for a while. That's going to be fun. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just, I don't know what's going to happen. I just, you know, yeah. um, and, you know. So I did a Strictly cruise uh, last year with uh, Faye from uh, Steps. Steps, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And and a bunch of the other guys. I don't really watch Strictly, so I don't really know any of the people. Oh, blasphemy. But, uh, it was a very popular cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was people dancing all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I just... Uh, I, I can really see the appeal. I, it took me a long time to admit to myself that I was a fan of Strictly. Like it, a long time. It was one of these things. I was like, I'm just going to put it on, even though I'm not into it. And then eventually, I was like, No, I actually <laughs> yeah. just, I just really like it. It's one of those things as well. It's like one of those programs that everyone's got an excuse. They go, Oh, I only watch it because my wife watches it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, of course. It's a, it's a guilty pleasure for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so are you? What have you got in the diary for next year? Are you coming back? Are you doing? I think I remember you talking about having a having a theatre show in the diary. Or did I well, imagine that? I had all sorts of things in the diary for this year. I mean, honestly, James, it's it, I really don't know. To be fair, I have stuff in the in the diary, um, but every week something else gets cancelled. Um, you know, right now with with England being in ridiculous tier tier eleven, you know, um, all of the promoters and um, and uh, you know, people organising gigs and stuff. Everyone's getting, you know, 
shaky feet, as it were, and and it's everything's being cancelled and nothing's been put in. So, yeah, um, it's it's hard to tell. I've got an album which I, I'm ready to to release, um, which was supposed to come out in March, but I've actually I'm glad I had the time because I got you know chance to kind of refine it a little bit. Yeah, um, and so I, I'm working towards that maybe in the in the spring. But of course, normally you would be releasing a record and touring off the back of the of the album and yeah. of course that's not happening right now so. <laughs> do you know what and I, th I think it's, it's stuff like we're doing now that is the antidote slightly because i was thinking yeah. about it myself because you know with all the stuff with the pantos that all went in the bin and all the money that's went in to promote them and then they've just vanished you know i think it's yeah. stuff like just keeping it moving and keeping people well, we have to we're creative people aren't we so we've got to we've got to do something um yeah. and i mean if i didn't have this i mean i I think I would have lost it. You know, it's like I would have forgotten how to play guitar. <laughs> yeah. So where in the world are you right now, by the way? You're on the I'm side in Los of the Angeles. Pond. And what's the weather like? It's uh, it's pretty nice. Um, you know, LA's always quite nice, isn't it? I mean, it, yesterday got up to nearly 80 degrees. So, I mean, that's pretty great. <laughs> wow. But, you know, it's it me and my imperial and brain trying to work out what 80 degrees means. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's pretty warm. It's like nearly kettle boiling temperature in my head. That's that's <laughs> the wrong <laughs> that degrees. One. Got it. Yeah, different, <laughs> different hundred degrees. <laughs> uh, obviously, you've just come off the back of uh, of the election, all that kind of stuff. Is that kind of stuff all simmered down now? Is everyone starting to take a breath? Oh my goodness, the the, the orange toddler won't leave. He's throwing his, <laughs> his toys out the pram, and uh, and he hasn't conceded. And uh, everyone over. I mean, I'm in a bubble here in Los Angeles. You know, they call they call it the coastal elite for some reason. But uh, yeah, you know, we're all very liberal on the coasts. Um, so so here it's kind of you know. Uh, you're set up now. <laughs> I guess it's all uh, sort of wired into music and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'll show you the kind of. I mean, this is all for my recording uh, equipment and stuff. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is this where you you come to when everything when the world's getting too much you come in there and put it all down on paper oh absolutely or, or just you know recording it you know getting it all down on tape well it's not tape these days of course Computer <laughs> on hard drive <laughs> i wanted to talk to you actually about about music in general because your whole life has been filled with music is you've never known anything else i guess so i wanted to ask you what your opinions are or not even opinions but how you can use music as something as an escape i just wondered what your opinions were on magic um magic freudian slip on music in general well, for me, uh, it's everything. I mean, I'm a little bit different because because I am a musician. It's what I do. It's what I, I live, breathe, and wake up with music in my head and go to sleep with music in my head. And it's just, it's for me, it's like breathing, you know. Um, but I, there, there's a lot to music. I've done a lot of music therapy over the over the years as well. And you know, mothers sing to their children all over the world. It's a universal language, you know. So it's something that is. It comes. And, and brings a joy to, to everyone, you know. Um, and I, it can be an anti-stress uh, thing, you know. There's nothing like just if you're stressed out and, you, you know, you're kind of overwhelmed or up to here, just, you know, put go out for a walk and put on some music, some of your favourite music, and just walk to it. And by the time you come back, I, you know, I guarantee you'll feel much better. Um, it, it's, it's a kind of an antidote, you know. And I, I've seen it um, help kids with disabled you know just disabilities and stuff like I, I remember doing a music therapy session once with a group of disabled children and uh and he, this guy this kid was fantastic he was blind and deaf as well and he he sat on my lap and I put the guitar on his lap and he just felt you know the, the vibration of the guitar 
and I was just playing some chords and just doing stuff and he he just came to life you know and his carer yeah. was just like whoa I've never seen him do that before and he's like wow he's making noises and <laughs> moving around and, and she's so like lovely. wow that's really getting through to him yeah. you know so it, it is it is a, an amazing tool in helping people and I, and I think that uh, people use it naturally as a as a stress reliever anyway yeah, and it goes hand in hand when people are out running and all that kind of stuff. And it's just escaping your, escaping the, the stress of what this year has been, just in something that isn't, you know, isn't the news. <laughs> you know, do you remember what your first, the, the first instrument you started to play was? Do you remember what that yeah, was? Yeah, it was piano. Piano was always my, uh, was my favourite instrument. It's, it's the mother of all instruments, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. We had a piano in our garage um, and my mum used to park her car right up to it and I used to sit on the bonnet of, the, of my mum's car and play this old upright piano and it had Amazing. my dad for some reason put thumbtacks in all of the hammers so it sounds yeah. like an old honky tonk piano <laughs> you know it. yeah so I play like you know, you know all that kind of stuff yeah. and, and I learned like boogie woogie piano on that uh, that's amazing and so so yeah piano was always my first love and then I picked, I picked up Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was going to say, do you remember what the first song was that you... first song I ever learned to play on the piano was uh, Imagine. Beautiful. You know, I was always a big John Lennon fan, but I was only nine when he died. And yeah. so, you know, even before that, I knew about him and the Beatles and everything. So, so I remember when he died, I came into my dad's bedroom ha having been woken up by my alarm clock radio, uh, you know, Radio 1, John Lennon yeah. being shot dead and and i came running yeah. into my my dad's bedroom and said john lennon's dead <laughs> and he knew john lennon yeah wow um, back, back yeah so for, for context uh your parents were tremolos yeah no? my dad was a, was the lead singer and bass player with the tremolos uh, 60s yeah. super group whatever in the yeah you know they had they had about i think 15 top 10 hits in in england and and all over europe and yeah. you know even over here in the states they had success so so he toured with you know the beatles stones and the who and Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and all those great bands. Um, so he's, he's got, he, you should be interviewing him. He's got the stories. <laughs> <in China. laughs> I will just give him a nudge for it. So you started really young. You're when you first became a pro, as it were, you know, when music was the way you'd, you were going to earn your living, you were really young. So how did that happen? Um, I was playing piano in wine bars and clubs and bars and, you know, bar mitzvahs or wherever yeah. they'd take me um even at the age of 15 i was out and about playing bars and stuff but i, I had a band at the age of you know 11 yeah and my brother is my drummer and still is um my sister <laughs> is a singer and uh, you know we still work together so we grew up with music in the house so it was kind of like a natural thing all of my dad's friends were musicians and you know, successful musicians and, and so they it was just kind of a natural thing. We were never going to be accountants, put it that way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you went from doing that to releasing your own your own music. Did that come in the form of a phone call? Did someone ring you up and go, "We want to sign you for this record deal or whatever"? Or was that was that a lot more hard? You know, were you driven for that? Did you fight for I that? I was very driven for it, but I, I actually got lucky. Um, I, I auditioned for a part in a film with Roger Daltrey from The Who. Yeah. Um, and uh, I ended up getting that part because I, I was just right for it. You know, I was exactly the right age for it. I, I could get away with being Roger's son. Um, I could play the guitar. I could play keyboard. I could sing. Um, I, I just happened to be, you know, perfect for that role. Yeah. Um, I'd never acted before in my life, but I just, the only reason I really wanted to go um, out for that film was because it, it, there was a chance of a record deal at the end of it. <laughs> you know, there was a, there was a soundtrack. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
so I, I just did it and it was like a an open audition and I just went up for it and you know I kept getting called back and called back and called yeah. back and then eventually got the part and that that is what that was the big break that I had in, in you know, early on in my career and when you went home and told your family who I'm assuming were still you know very much knee deep in music at that point how oh, yeah, was it was their reaction was touring and, and stuff like that and yeah. you know my dad he always um he was happy that I was, uh, you know, into music and, and wanted to do this. He really was. Um, but I remember he gave me that, he did that classic thing when I left school at like 15. He's like, what are you going to do now? I said, well, I'm going to be a pop star, aren't I? <laughs> 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 I was so precocious. Yeah. He said, all right, well, listen, I'll give you to the end of the summer. And if you're not earning money by the end of the summer, then you're going to have to, you know, go to college or something. You know, just think about another possibilities, you know, and, yeah. uh, so I went off and just, uh, just absolutely pig-headed about it, and just went off and found loads of gigs, and I and I and I ended up, you know, doing really well, and, and then yeah. pretty much, you know, within a, cu a couple of years was when I got the the part, and and I was off. You got a number one, didn't you, or a couple of number ones, if I remember rightly? Yeah, one and only was number one. Uh, so when you when that happened, going from being a child in bed listening to Radio One when you yeah. wake up to hearing your yeah. song and your voice on radio one did you then go to your dad told you <laughs> <laughs> yeah told you so, dad, told you. <laughs> no I, it, it's so weird people ask me about that one that question as well and i i always say that like i was so kind of precocious about it that it was like when it got to the point where i was releasing going to release a record it was kind of like yep that's what happens that's yeah. this just that was my path that was it yeah um you know i look back on it now and i'm thinking bloody hell i really I really had a lot of confidence back then. And, uh, you know, as I said before, it was there was just no waning from that idea of that. I'm going to make it. That's that, you know, and I, and I really think that helped. Look into next year then and 2021. What's your New Year's resolutions? Do you have any yet? Well, I want to try and earn some money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome to the club. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, God. It's crazy this year. So, so uh, New Year's resolution. I, I guess I'm going to have to kind of like think about diversifying a little bit. And one thing that the pandemic has taught a lot of us musicians and, and performers is that, you know, you, you shouldn't have all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> and for me, like 95% of my earnings are, are standing on a stage in front of a crowd, which is yeah. not happening for a while. So there you go. Uh, diversification. There's there, yeah. That's probably my biggest uh, New Year's resolution. Um, How about you, James? A similar sort of thing, I think. You know, it's I, I sort of, I enjoyed the first couple of months of quiet, you know, because you know what it's like, and particularly when you're here, there and everywhere all the time. Um, the, the first couple of months where I, I got stuff done that I should have got done two years ago, you know, yeah. and then all of a sudden you start, to, you miss the audience and you miss the voice. And you miss also, you know, like I had this conversation, I, I spoke to Penn and Teller recently about something similar. Talking to them, And they said, the thing with, with us is that your job is also your personality, right? Like it's your whole life. It's just all, yeah. all absorbed. So when you don't, when you're not on stage for a while, you start to think, well, where, where do I fit I in, yeah. in this, yeah. uh, without that? You know, yeah. my Cuban heels don't make sense in the rest of my life which <laughs> makes sense that <laughs> I'm on a stage um uh, so yeah I just uh, I, I don't know is the short answer um I guess we just all have to kind of still sit tight with our fingers crossed for the next couple of months and hope well, we're gonna have to do I mean we're gonna have to be proactive in some to some extent obviously I mean I you know for me yes I can carry on but I've got three kids and a wife to to kind of you know to look after and 
it, you know, I can't carry on without do finding something. You know what I mean? To, yeah. to pay for it, my, our lives. You know, we're gonna have to try and do something about it, aren't we? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll be stuck in shelves at Waitrose before you know it. <laughs> oh, it's all right. We'll have a great time though. Now, John, I do. Yeah, it's it is a it's a sort of it's a funny thing. But best of luck and lots of love, obviously, to you and and the kids and the wife. Thank um, you so I, much. I hope you're on stage in no time. And then when your album comes out, uh, do let us know as well, because I'll look forward to seeing it. Oh, I completely will. Totally. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll send you and Debbie copies. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Celebrity Phone Box Podcast with James Phelan. Isn't he just the nicest guy in the world, right? Isn't he just lovely? That was, of course, recorded live from Los Angeles, Chesney Hawks on Celebrity Phone Box Podcast. It always blows me away, the, the people that give me their time to do this kind of stuff. It, it really means a lot. And um, there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on sort of after that. Is The first one was, I said right off, off the bat, like right at the beginning, that Chesney and I have a similar thought process about stuff. And what I meant by that, and I wanted to talk about this really, is um, Chesney's dad was a, was a pop star. And so as Chesney was growing up and just surrounded by music, he always knew it could happen for him. He never had a doubt in his mind that it would happen for him. And it's the similar sort of thing with me and my life and growing up around magic. I always, it's always what I've wanted to do since I was tiny, since as, as young as I can remember. And there's a really fascinating thing about you can do what you can see. Now, obviously, Chesney grew up and he saw his dad really successful. He knew that it was possible. He knew you could live a great life doing it and he he knew how to do it. And so a lot of that fear firstly goes, but a lot of the unknown goes. And I've had a really similar sort of thing. You know, I, I packed in my full-time job uh, in 2016. And since then, I've been on the road touring more or less consistently. I, you know, I did Edinburgh for the first time last year and pretty much sold the thing out and it was amazing. But when I remember a couple of things, these are a couple of stories that I think will fascinate you. The first one is I remember when I quit my job, people thought I was mad because it was a job that I was enjoying and it was a job that I was good at and it was a job that I was earning quite good money at, but it just wasn't what I wanted to do. And I remember someone telling me one time, you know, well, two things. I remember my dad saying to me that the opportunity is now and it's not going to be there forever. But also, I remember someone saying to me, it's never going to be uh, comfortable to quit your job. So, you know, you, there's no point waiting for the right time because it will never come. And then what happened was uh, I kind of ended up getting pushed to go anyway when my uncle passed away. I just thought life's too short to not do it, you know. But the other thing, this is this is kind of what I was getting at. So I, when I was four or five years old, and this is a story that I really like to tell, and I really hope that the teacher in question hears this story at, at some point. Um. I used to get picked on, not by the kids at school, but by the teachers, because I used to want to be a magician. I used to go into my primary school, and after seeing my uncle on stage in 1,500-seater theatres over the weekend, and I'd be full of adrenaline, full of love, and full of excitement, and full of aspiration, and I remember playing the part of you know, the theatre, I remember crouching down and pretending to be the voiceover next to my teacher's desk, you know, with some pals of mine, going, this is your five minute call, you know, and my teacher being like, what the hell are you doing? But we had this thing one time in class, the, I don't remember this, this is a story that I've been reminded of many, many times, um, but what happened was, and I, I too far, I vaguely remember this, we were going around the class asking what we wanted to do when we grew up. Now, bear in mind, this was about 1997, probably 96, something like that. And so this was very much when my auntie and uncle were still very much on television. You know, still prime time. You know, Anton Deck, Saturday night entertainment kind of vibe is what we're talking about here. 
And my teacher said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a magician. And she said to me, don't be silly. You'll never make anything of yourself doing that. And I said, well, my uncle has. And she goes, go on then. Who's your uncle? And when I said Paul Daniels, she got so embarrassed, she had to ring up my parents to apologise. Isn't that a great story, though? And that that kind of epitomises the point. We've all got our aspirations, right? We've all got our dreams. We've all got stuff that we want to do. There is literally no reason why you can't do it. You know, we're very much sort of sat in this place where we go, right, I need to get a job. That earns a living, this, that and the other. It's an illusion. It is an illusion and it's fake and you'll fail at stuff you don't want to do, you know. Um, I sold out a show the year after I split up with my job, like a breakup, the, the year after I quit my job. You know, I quit the job in one April and then the next year in February, so it was 10 months later, I sold out a show near me and I made more in a night than I had made in a month. And that's when it hit me that what is this? Why was I not doing this the entire time? So that's all I want to say. Chesney and I had a very similar perspective on that in that you can do whatever you want. And if you know how to do it, just do it. And if not, take the leap anyway. Um, And, you know, particularly at the moment when we're sort of in the depths of lockdown, um, there is so much out there on YouTube and, I mean, a million and one other places, but YouTube is probably the place to start that can just fill your brain with positivity. So if you're feeling a bit despondent or you're struggling with motivation or you're not doing what you want to do or you're not living the life you want to live, I and Chesney Hawks are both living proof that you should just do it and fill yourself with the positivity and it will happen for you. I will, That's the sermon, according to me, by the way. I didn't expect to do that ramble, but there it is. Tomorrow, uh, I've got a podcast with Sam Kane and Linda Lusardi, um, who are, again, lovely, lovely people. So I hope to see you then. I look forward to you listening. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, look after yourselves. This is Celebrity Phone Box and my name is James Phelan. Celebrity Phone Box with James Phelan. Please hang up.